You want more calm and I have the recipe for you to have less overwhelm in your life. Each week, I'll bring you stories, interviews, and tips on how to get more calm in your life. Sometimes there'll be actually recipes too. So join me each week, Teresa Dioulis, an advanced certified life coach and certified culinary nutrition expert to find your recipe for calm. Well, we have a special guest today, my friend, Susanna Camone, and she has graciously agreed to be interviewed. And um, again, I've met Susanna in life coaching school and from day one, I was admiring her for her brilliance and you'll come to see quickly that she is brilliant, but she's also very thoughtful and kind and more than anything, she's my friend and has come to be my accountability partner in business. And I consider her a business bestie. Um, we met three years ago, almost in May of 2020 and during life coach training. And then a year ago, she agreed to take a business class with me and become accountability partners. So we've been meeting pretty much every week, a couple of weeks we've, we don't meet, but um, so I will let her introduce herself and provide more of her background, but that, that's what my take on her is, and like I said, more than anything, she's become my friend, and I am just so glad that you agreed to come on today and share your thoughts on overwhelm and calm, so Susanna. Thank you so much, Teresa. That was such a um, gracious introduction. It brings tears, and I appreciate your <laughs> friendship so much and how much um, just your example and your coaching and your friendship has helped me through this journey, so this is really an honor to be here. Oh, thank you. Um, so in preparing for this, I was just kind of jotting down some notes <laughs> about myself and my secured, circuitous journey getting here. And I thought I would just share them um, in hopes that they could be um, just useful to some of your listeners and as they're going about their own journeys, um, especially maybe if they're younger, just to trust their own voice and also to know that um, you end up where you need to be. So um, I started more following a traditional route. I went to Yale as an undergrad and then MIT as a PhD student and completed that. And then I worked for um, an industry related to um, my PhD for a few years. But in the back of my mind, I always uh, had a longing to have my own business. And in particular, in something that was just more accessible to the general public, not um, as much as in an ivory tower. Uh, but I wasn't exactly sure where to go. And so, I, as I said, I worked in industry for a few years. And then at one point, I quit my job and I traveled to Africa. And one of the reasons uh, that I went there is that I've always had a love of animals and their psychology and understanding their mind and really uh, seeing the commonality of just being a being on this planet. And so I went there to see the animals, but I also um, had always had a love of, of the uh, African culture as well. So I was, ex and that piece was um, deepened even more when I, when I went there. And I ended up meeting, I was, I can't remember, I think I was married at the time, but so when I speak of this guy, it wasn't <laughs> anything as <laughs> a business partner, but I met this guy who also really had a heart for uh, the people in his village. He had a little bit of education and, but it was a little more um, successful. He worked in a, uh, a shop that sold African crafts. And we got to talking and we decided there, both actually tearing up as well, that we wanted to start a small African craft 
uh, website business um, because I had also been doing some website work. So when I got back, um, for me, it was really uh, truly a charity because I would send him money and he would uh, meet with different, a lot of women, but men too, and buy their crafts that they made for uh, whatever price they set. And then I would pay to ship them over and I would find people to sell them to. And um, so that was one thing I did. And then, which was kind of starting my own little business, although at that point it was a charity. And then I also had a friend who had a really successful business selling um, her own painted cards and calendars. And she begged me to make a shopping cart for her. So I did, it was one of the first shopping carts back when uh, they first were coming out, I guess in the late nineties, <laughs> I date myself. <laughs> um, or maybe it was a little later. No, it was, it was actually maybe 2000, 2001. But so I made a shopping cart for her and then I got into doing websites. So I started dabbling in having my own businesses back then, but it wasn't until I had my first child and held him in my arms, I'm gonna tear up on this one too, that I realized that I finally found something that I felt was important enough um, and spoke to me enough to do full time. And that was motherhood. So I did that for uh, my son's now a freshman at UNH. <laughs> and uh, so I did that for whatever, 20 years, uh, 19 years, but um, a few years ago, I uh, had enough space. I had a second child as well, but I had enough space to uh, kind of start looking at my own career again. So I got certified with you in 2020. And now I am both um, doing animal work, which is uh, wildlife videography and also uh, life coaching. And I actually have you to thank for some of that as well, because I remember getting coached by you when I was finished, when we were finishing our program and me wondering how could I do both? I'm, I'm still a mom, I've got kids at home still. And I just remember, I don't remember the details, but I remember getting coached by you and making out a schedule and how I, how I could do all, all of this and more. <laughs> and um, then I kind of forgot, I mean, I went and went on and we finished our program. So we weren't in touch for a little bit. And then I remember when you reached out to me uh, to be business partners, I also, or accountability partners, I found that piece of paper that we had done together. So thank you for <laughs> how much you've touched me. Um, yeah, so now I'm, um, like I said, I'm doing um, animal videography and I'm also life coaching. And in particular, I'm, I, I've coached people on different subjects, but I'm now, I don't know, focusing on helping other people start their own creative business. That's awesome. Well, and I know, having been in touch with you and knowing your journey a little bit in the, with life coaching. Um, but even listening to your story, this is new information to me that your um, entrepreneurial uh, journey has been, you know, so long. I mean, really that it started for, so, for what, 20 years ago before you before you had your first son. So that's really interesting to hear that it is something that you've been doing for a long time. And even if it's taken, like you said, a circuitous route that you have had this experience um, for helping other businesses and stuff. And so it's kind of neat to see how it's come along, you know, and you've added more skill sets to it with those mind, uh, well, the thought work that we've learned with life coaching to be able to bring to that too. So uh, that's exciting to see how you can add extra layers to helping other people with their businesses too. And the creative aspect too. I mean, again, the fact that you were selling cards or helping someone sell cards and even um, crafts and stuff like that. And now doing with your video work and also still combining your love of animals, because I know that's something near and dear to your heart, uh, especially with the coyotes that you go and all the animals that you track on Beyond the Safari. 
I know that aspect too, which I know you haven't mentioned, but um, but you're very talented in that way too. So, um, oh. <laughs> so well, and I was going to say, I know you had talked about um, some points you have about um, a ten step to overwhelm or to, to reducing overwhelm. But I was going to say, when you've been working with clients, or is there something in particular thoughts that you have, um, or that you've seen overlap with people that you're working with? Well, it's interesting because just um, the title of your uh, podcast helped me to kind of just pull this together, to kind of pull together ideas that I've worked on. So I came up with um, 10 ideas for, uh, originally I said reducing, uh, um, having more calm, but I would even okay. say creating calm as you build okay. your creative business. And so one of the things I think is neat is to think about actually creating calm as we do our business. Like sometimes we think about you know, staying away from stress or, you know, having more calm, but actually when we start doing something we love, even in a small step, we actually create calm in our lives and mm -hmm. taking, you know, that kind of relief of seeing us, seeing ourselves start to live into a certain purpose or something that feels meaningful to us, that in itself creates calm. And then of course we can drive on, we can add layers on top of that and drive ourselves nuts. And then we have to kind of, you know, return to calm. But I think even just starting does create calm. But I can just share with you some of these um, ideas and I'm sure you'll have uh, we've talked yeah, about sure. them. And so uh, one of the first things was um, just when you're feeling stressed, um, come back to something you love about your work. So we've all chosen our work for some reasons that we've loved. Maybe it's it's been a passion or maybe it's even just what the um, having the job gives us the security, uh, um, you know, financial means. So not to like beat ourselves up if if we are are in a position which I can totally relate to over these many <laughs> circuitous years of maybe we're saying oh this isn't my total passion yet and that's okay. There's something that you do love about your work because it's hard to hold both anxiety and stress and love at the same time. Yeah. So um, I know like when I was giving one a wildlife talk early on and I, I get nervous, you know, I was not, even though I, in my former days, gave a lot of talks, I kind of come away from that. And I just kept, I would start to get nervous and then I would just really sink into, wow, I get to share these animals with these people who, it was at a, um, at an assisted living facility with these people who can't get out in the wild. And it was just such an honor. And so every time I got nervous and was making it about myself and what I was going to say, just to like sink back into, I love these animals and I really love these people that I'm bringing this to. So that yeah. was one thing that I found um, useful and yeah. other, shared with others as well. And I, you know, I'm sure you can relate as well. Yeah, it's such a power thought. Like I, I love this because, you know, and that's that powerful thought of, I love doing this because, you know, why? And that can help create that. So that's a great thought. So I love yeah. that. Um, okay, so another one is to, and we've talked about this as well, but pick one thing to work on to move your business forward. So that doesn't mean that you're not gonna do all the other things, but really, um, you know, sometimes we can have just a vague business idea. And I've been working with a client on um, this, but we really do know what we want. And so just to, to bring it down to what's one idea that I can start creating now and sort of have the trust that one leads to more. And so again, mm -hmm. one of the things I was doing with my wildlife business is um, 
I was asked to be in this art exhibit and just starting to create, I was like, well, this is a great time to start creating prints. I've been giving talks and being paid for that, but you know, to start to create prints that I can share. Um, and so when you just pick that one thing, it kind of can settle you and you can focus and um, it gets you started. Yeah, I love that. That's, there was a Christmas song when I was little that I remember was put one foot in front of the other and soon you'll be walking across the floor. Like it was one of my favorite songs, but it just made me think of that. Like you just take one step into time and you'll get there. So I love that. Yeah, so it's so, right? I mean, even the biggest journey is all it is, is a series of the same size steps as any, as any other step. Um, mm -hmm. You don't need to take a bigger step. You just need yeah. to keep going, basically, as yeah. we discussed. Um, okay, so then the third thing is kind of maybe after that is if you are feeling overwhelmed or stuck, you can take a smaller step. So if you've decided, for example, you're going to, um, I don't know, write a program <laughs> and that's the thing you're going to do and you're spinning, you just break it down into an even smaller step that is doable. So you could come up with, you know, 10 titles for the program or 10 ideas or an outline or I remember hearing Jody Moore talk about that. If you break something down small enough into the step can actually be boring, like so easy, it's boring. So, yeah. um, you know, there's no need to continue, continue to spin. Um, if you're not getting anywhere, kind of have your back and say, okay, maybe it does need to be a little smaller. Yeah, I know. Um, I've heard various, whether it's Jody or different people, we've talked about this of like, if you have a, a list of 10 things, you know, cutting it in half, like just whatever it is, like you said, if you're getting stuck, just, you know, whatever it is to make it easier and simplify it. So that I love that, you know, take some more stuff. And it really is enough. Yeah. <laughs> we're being a friend, like we're doing this because we want to, we want to enjoy it, right? We want to, we could go get a job or do some, you know, whatever. But if we want to, we, again, we started with something we loved and then we want to love it along the way. So yeah, um, you know, not only there's there no need to be hard on ourselves, um, you know, why, why would we choose that way? Yes. Um, okay, so number four was uh, have a clear way of capturing your ideas, to-dos, et cetera. So I recently heard this too. I think this is traveling around <laughs> in the coaching circles, but, um, you know, it, I just have the image of when you're trying to get through a door and you're carrying like 17,000 things, individual things, you know, you can't get through, you're gonna drop them, whatever. And we use so much mental energy trying to remember, um, either ideas for what coaching or, you know, posts or whatever, or mm -hmm. picking up the kids or all the different things. And just even my, my uh, clear way of capturing things right now is I have a paper calendar and then inside I have a piece of paper that says captures and I just write them down. So even something as simple as that, to know when you have something, you put it down and then you can calendar it or whatever, or you can have it in a list, but you're not busy. Um, just trying to remember things and uh, and then forgetting them and then being frustrated. Because it also, it's not just the mental energy of trying to remember, but it's what happens when you do forget. Um, yeah. So. And I've heard, I remember attending a conference once where they said, even the pen to paper, and um, the studies have shown that that makes a difference, like getting it out, just getting it out of your head, like you're saying. And, and for some people, you know, if you are more digitally inclined, that's fine too. But again, I think to your point, get it out of your head. 
because you're not carrying it whatever way it doesn't matter yeah exactly (laughs) write it on your shoe if you want it doesn't have to be fancy just get it out yeah your point is like be it on the computer a fancy journal a a planner whatever but just get it out and and, you know capture it so I love the image that you said of like trying to get through the door carrying everything like my grandma used to call it a farmer's load like don't <laughs> right. You will drop something. Yes, you, exactly. will, you will go through the door a lot slower. So. Exactly. Um, okay, so then number five was just make a decision. Um, mm-hmm. We can spend so much time mulling things over, and sometimes it feels uh, like right. Like we want to sit. We want to give ourselves permission to sit on things and not have to decide right away. And we do, we are moving forward, but at some point we can say, would it feel better to make a decision um, to choose, you know, this photograph or, uh, or to decide this is going to be my one thing or whatever it is and just move forward rather than um, leaving everything undecided or, or, you know, more than, more than is serving us. Yes. Instead of dwelling in it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Just decide. <laughs> and then uh, the sixth thing is befriend imperfection. And I like saying befriend, not tolerate, not think it's like, you know, something we have to do, but actually embrace it. Um, yeah. It's funny because we think we're doing like someone out there, some big favor by embracing imperfection. But the question is, is there even really a perfect? Does it even exist? You know, no, probably not. I mean, yes, if you're building a plane <laughs> or and, and not, probably not even there, but you know, if you're whatever, putting out a workshop or whatever you're, whatever you're putting out, um, it's just such a relief to know, not only is there probably not perfect, but we're not, even if there is perfect, we aren't able to reach that. So let's just, you know, stop trying. Yeah, and I will say just as an aside, I don't know what you're, remaining ones are, but you've been so instrumental to me personally. This is where having you as an accountability partner and just as someone to bounce ideas off of to help me embrace my own imperfections. Um, so I know being a type A person and having, you know, coming from the academic world, you know, both of us are from that. I'm not going to speak for you, but I know for me, embracing imperfection has been very freeing. Um, even in doing this podcast and, and a lot of the work that, you know, I've been working on uh, and going over that and discussing that with you, but you've really been very helpful uh, to me helping embrace imperfection and being okay with that. So I just want to really stress this one, especially <laughs> how yeah. having an accountability partner can help. And on <laughs> and that then, note, things that you have called imperfection, <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? So that, that's um, yeah. also part of it. Yeah. Um, Okay, so number seven is uh, remembering that hearing no is part of the plan. Um, this is one little business thing that I had left out, but at one point I um, decided I wanted to do a house flip. I wanted to buy a, uh, buy a two-family house and renovate it and con- convert it into condos. And I just knew, I mean, there's times where we are more shy about getting a no, but in this case, I, I was like psyched, although totally uncomfortable, to literally cold call uh, two-family owners and to ask them if they wanted to possibly sell whatever. I can't even remember what I was asking them. But um, like, I just knew, of course, most people are going to say no. And maybe it was easier then because I only needed one house. And I was so nervous, but I was so, uh, I was so up for getting better at it. And um, in that case, 
I knew that hearing note was part of the plan, but it's always part of the plan. Like, and so to not feel like um, when you get a note, it means something about you, about your business, about how, how viable your business is. Um, I hope this is okay to share, but I think it is. Well, one of our relatives, I'll just say is on TV. I won't go into it. And he was telling me recently, he got 75 no's before he got a yes. And then he said, when I started, I was terrible. And so when I finally got a yes and he got this opportunity, he said he was terrible. And I just thought that was so um, cool and true. And, you know, now he's much more polished and, and, but it was just part of the journey. So anyway, not, not making it mean that what you're doing isn't totally valuable, um, totally what you want to do and all of that. Yeah. Well, I know in sales, my husband, having been in sales, I don't, I don't know what the statistics are these days, but I, I think of the adage of saying like for every hundred calls you might make, you might get 10 yeses or maybe one, like, I don't know, there's some statistic out there. I don't know what it is, but the reality is that you're going to get more rejections than you're going to get acceptances. And that is a fact. And to not make it, I think to your point, like, again, that's part of it. And to not make it personal is what you're saying, what I'm hearing yeah. you say, and be okay with that, like, and um, expect it. I think that's more than anything to expect it um, and be, it's okay. It's totally. The, the, and, yeah. and I love hearing the numbers, actually. I remember hearing, I can't remember if it was Jody Moore or someone saying, well, I was going to get, maybe it was one out of 10 or whatever. And I think when I was um, started doing consults for coaching, and I was like, oh, good. I'm supposed to get like, you know, I loved getting the number of like, it's not a lot of yeses. And then when I got um, more like a yes after whatever it was, three or four or whatever, I was like, oh, wow. You know, and so then suddenly it was like great to get three no's and a yes or whatever the numbers were. So I like hearing the numbers to just be, um, to really realize how much, how true yeah. it is. Yeah. I think we were even encouraged saying this makes me think I had forgotten. We were encouraged to have a rejection folder when we were going through coach training, oh, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Cause like, okay, great. I'm, I'm putting that in my note. Cause it's, I'm that much closer to my yeses. And, um, cause again, we can process any emotion, you know, we can feel that rejection if it, you know, some days might hit us more than others and that's okay. So anyways, but yeah, I love that yeah, reminder. I love, I love that. Um, and that's a great segue into number eight, which is make space for feeling vulnerable. Um, and I really liked hearing that. I think I heard it from, J um, Jamie Berman, but she, as, as excited as you are um, to do this and put yourself out there, there's still going to be those feelings, even if you, regardless, yes or no, like it can feel um, new, uncomfortable, whatever. So I loved the idea of, you know, you can get your energy up, you can go out, you can do the thing, but then you might um, want to just really set aside a time even afterwards. Like, I think she was talking about doing that when she does a launch that she mm -hmm. then knows she's going to like take care of herself. She's going to, I know I don't know the details, but to really make that space for taking care of yourself and feeling vulnerable and for planning for it ahead of time, yeah. rather than act like something's gone wrong. And now you have to deal with this feeling. Um, and this is even when things don't go wrong, <laughs> this is right, even right. you just put yourself out there and you feel like shy or whatever, like to really be kind to yourself. And, and it's almost like not rushing, like letting yourself do that and then really taking care of yourself afterwards. So yeah, I, like I know several people I follow that um, have launched books recently even talk about the emotional hangover they have like the day after, like it's all that excitement, like you're talking about, even for very positive, very good things, but there's still that emotional hangover afterwards of like, you know, all that excitement, all of the, the steps that they've taken. It's still that whole, it's not that it's 
good or bad, it's a very neutral thing, but it's still like planning for that and knowing they might need to just spend a day in bed or, you know, taking a bath or whatever it is for self-care yeah. that you need to do. And, um, but like you said, planning for it is the key thing uh, and not being surprised by it. I think when people don't and don't realize, oh, you might be feeling this way, you know, um, knowing that it's okay. Right. Cause if you're not planning for it, then it's like, what do you end up making it mean? Right. Yeah. Like, Oh, yes. is something going wrong or whatever. And no, it's, it yeah. feels nice to, to know that that is the 50, 50, right. Yeah. Even, even the good has the 50 of maybe feeling yes. whatever it is. Exactly. So, and then number nine is uh, remember that consistency, even if small and intermittent will bring results. Um, again, it's like not just taking the one step, but just keep taking the steps. And I think I like Jody Moore. I heard her talking about this as well. She said, um, and even plan for the little quits, like, and the little quit is like an unplanned time where you didn't do the thing you wanted to do. So, um, you know, even if it's 80% of the time or whatever it is, just like keep going and don't make the times. Um, know that if you keep going, you'll get there. And you, as long, if you keep even when you kind of, I won't say fall off the wagon, but even when you don't go on with your plan, that that's going to happen too. And you just get back on and you keep going. Yeah. I love that. I, and I was hearing somebody recently talk about it's only people who quit that don't succeed. I mean, in as simple as that sounds, it's just, it is, I think kind of goes along with what you're saying. Cause I mean, you know, there's the days that are hard or even like, like you said, like, I mean, all of us can relate to in the past few years with the pandemic, even of a lot of plans changing and, um, you know, and needing to forcibly be changed. And I mean, pandemic aside, you know, illness hits people, accidents hit people, and we might have to stop for a period of time, whatever it is that our goals that we're working on or whatever, but it doesn't mean that they have to stop forever. Um, and yeah. so when you get back to it, you're still working on that. It's just, you know, your timeline might be changed. And um, but unless you quit completely, you'll still be working towards whatever it is you're working on. And um, and you're still showing up. You didn't quit. And I think yeah. that's the important thing. And in a way, it sounds like, I don't know, not obvious, but but the fact that our brains will say, oh, maybe this isn't going to work or whatever. But no, like you said, if you keep going, you will get yeah. there. Yeah. So kind of clearing that up. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then number 10 is just to decide to make it more fun. So if you are feeling bogged down, if you are feeling like just how can I make this more fun in this instant? And part of it might be, um, you know, making it a little more imperfect, but even just deciding, I'm just gonna, I mean, this is just a silly example. I'm gonna dance around the room right now and then I'm gonna come back or I'm gonna um, just lower the standards or whatever it is, whatever making more fun could be for you in the moment. Uh, yeah, because again, we're doing this because we love it and to not lose sight of that. So it kind of brings it full circle too. Yeah. So, I, in an earlier episode, I talked about power, asking powerful questions and I love that as a powerful question. How can I make this more fun? Because our brains go to work for us in answering that question. And, um, you know, it's amazing how it can come up with, you know, what can we do to make this more fun? And not that, again, not to, I think sometimes as adults and especially maybe coming from an academic world or even in a corporate world, a corporate setting, we might be thinking, oh, fun, that's childish. You know, a lot of people might have that reaction and we're not um, trying to trivialize anything here by saying that, but literally kind of going back to one of your earlier points too of um, when you think of your why, when you think of why you're doing what you're doing and um, just trying to remember that in the moment of maybe when things might seem 
like they're hard or challenging even uh, like if in the middle of a project, I don't know if the technology breaks or something doesn't work out, like if you're in the middle of a presentation and, you know, the power goes out, what do you do in that moment? You know, you could throw your arms up in the air or you could say, okay, well, here's what we're going to do now. Like, again, trying to make fun in the moment. It's not trivializing it. Like, I don't know, again, the thoughts you right. can have in that moment. So that's just something I want to make sure that people understand when we're saying have fun with it. Or like you were saying too, like maybe you've been working at something for three hours and you just need a break. Like you said, have a dance break, put on your favorite song, get up literally and move around because that actually studies do show about moving our body. Sometimes it's an important thing to do and can release some tension. And so I don't know. Yeah. And but, what if, and what if more fun actually is more effective too, right? We mm -hmm. like, when we're talking about like, we're, we're used to working hard or whatever, like maybe, maybe harder isn't always faster too. Not that we're trying to, not that it is a race, but you know, maybe more fun is like the best, like the best path, like the, the most efficient path or the best path or whatever. Um, like it's a, it doesn't mean you're doing less. Right. It, it might be like the perfect way. Yeah. So, yeah. If we can get there. The perfectly perfect. Yeah. Way or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. and I think that's, you know, um, when I talked about rem your number seven point of remembering, um, I'm sorry, number six, to befriend the imperfection, that to me was such a freeing point, feeling like I always had to either do everything 100% or I couldn't do it at all. And that kept me very stuck a lot of the time. And again, coming from a very traditional background, trying to strive to get the A all A's or um, again, if I had a task list that I had to finish everything. And if I only finished say eight out of, out of 10 things, then, then, you know, forget the eight things that I did finish. I didn't get all 10 done, you know, and having that kind of a mentality, especially when we're talking about feeling overwhelmed, um, that's not a very good feeling, but again, why would I negate those eight things that I did do, you know, and, you know, that's just such an important thing, I think. Um, and I love these 10 points. Uh, that you've brought up. And again, even in the fact that these 10 things that you're offering, even if one of these things resonates with a listener, you know, totally, that's a great thing. You know, we're, you're offering these things that are all wonderful, but and maybe some of them, maybe all of them are, are relatable, but again, these are just ideas that anybody can implement uh, in their lives and maybe try one on for size this week, maybe try another one, you know, we will um, have these you know, typed up in the show notes for, well, we'll have a, a PDF available. How about that? That'll yeah, I was going to say, I will have it on my website <laughs> too, but yeah, if you want to put it in the show yes. notes, but that's such a good point. That's such a good point that, that in fact, I changed it from like, I can't remember 10 ways or whatever to 10 ideas. Just like you said, it's like you're each listener is the expert of them and what they need in that moment. And these are just ideas that may or may not resonate. And um, kind of like when you were coaching me in the beginning over, I mean, when we first finished our our uh, life coaching over, um, I think the thing was, you're only supposed to do one thing. And I had two things that I loved and it was like, well, you can do two things. So yes. yeah, your listeners are the expert. We're all the experts in our own uh, self. And these are just ideas that may help in one moment and not another. And just, you know, yes. Well, and that's, you know, it's funny because that's how I came up with the name for my podcast as far as blending things. Cause I, with my nutrition background and even the culinary aspect of it, um, and being able to blend that and, you know, offering recipes at the end, which seg segues me well to my 
Final question for you. Um, is there a recipe that you have a go-to for your family that you like to make or something that makes your life easy? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. Let me think about it for a second. Well, Lisa, well, you know, for so long with my kids, I would um, make a thing that had a name, right? Like I'm making pizza, even if I like, I would make make a whole wheat pizza crust by my, you know, my own recipe or whatever. But they all had things like I had to name them for my kids. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think for me, the favorite thing is. Um, when I'm like, you know what? I don't know if they're going to eat this or not, but I'm just going to cook. So like, I would just start sauteing an onion, adding garlic, um, adding some like herbs, um, then adding just a vegetable that I might have like zucchini and carrots. And maybe I'd make eggs and potatoes or something. So my favorite thing is literally um, doing, doing that, starting with an onions, garlic, adding a couple of vegetables, finding a protein, finding a starch and not having it have been a thing. Um, that sounds so, delicious. Yeah. That's I mean, I would say it sounds like it's seasonal and fresh too, like whatever, you know, you have on hand. And I, I know you actually have access to a lot of great things actually at your house too. So, um, <laughs> you said fresh eggs and now I just have squawking chickens. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, take what you can get, but, um, exactly. but I know, I know food is an important thing to you too. So, well, yes you don't mind letting our listeners know where they can find you on the internet and um, what the best way to get in touch with you is. Yeah. Um, so my link, my cumbersome name is Susanna Camone coaching. Um, you can find me on Instagram. So it's S U S A N N A K A M as in Mary O N as in Nancy coaching. So I'm Instagram. That's my um, handle or whatever. And then I'm in the middle of getting a, my website, upgraded from simple to still simple. So hopefully that'll be up in a couple of days and you could go to that as well, SusannaCamoneCoaching.com. And it sounds like you'll just write up the 10 things, but I had pre created sort of a document with a little more in, like speaking out to some of those points. So at some point that'll be up on my website as well. Okay, um, great. In the show notes. But thank you so much, Teresa. This was awesome. Thank you, Susanna. And we um, are so honored to have you here today. And um, Maybe we'll have you back again in the future. Who knows? It's um, <laughs> it lovely talking to you today. And um, again, until next time, I wish you great calm and great health too. So thank you. And again, we will have the information for her website and Instagram handle on um, in the show notes. So, and information about the PDF too. So it'll be on my website too. So we'll have okay. all that information for listeners. So, all right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, this was so much fun. All right, thanks. Okay, bye-bye. This week's quick recipe is actually a cooking hack for you, and that is to make your own minced garlic, quick and easy. It tastes so much better than the little jars you get at the grocery store, and I was inspired by listening to Susanna talking about her, how she starts making recipes, just cooking up some garlic and onions. All you need to do is get a head of garlic. A lot of times we buy the heads and only use one or two cloves, and the rest tends to dry out. You can also buy the pre-peeled uh, garlic cloves in a bag and then just make quick work in a food processor, chopping up an entire bag and then divvying it out into little mason jars or reused jelly jars, anything like that. Cover it with, put the chopped up garlic into the jars and then cover it with olive oil just to cover the amount of garlic that you have in the jars. These freeze really well. 
especially if you buy those big bags of the pre-peeled garlic. You can freeze the jars in your freezer for up to a year and then just pull the jars out as you need it and it stays good in the refrigerator for up to two weeks safely. And then you can just use the garlic, the chopped garlic as you need it in recipes. It is the base for, start of the base for a lot of great recipes. And the health benefits of garlic are immense. It's great for your heart, great for, it's anti, it has cancer, cancer benefits. As I said, for the heart, it helps with blood pressure. It is also known to be antibacterial, anti-inflammatory. So using garlic regularly in your diet has great health benefits for you. So try this out. Let me know if you have any questions. Reach out to me on Instagram at Teresa Diolis and or send me an email at teresadiolis at gmail.com. Until next week, I wish you great health and calm. Thanks for listening.